American patriots dancing in the streets to YMCA around the country as tens of thousands get ready to descend on Washington, D.C. for what may be President Trump's biggest rally yet. Welcome to the water cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. It's Friday, December 11, 2020, just one day now until the big march for Trump rally in Washington, D.C. It's expected to be even bigger than last month. And it will come just two days before electors sign and seal their votes for president. A lot on all of that today. Plus, Raphael Warnock, the pro-abortion pastor running for Senate down in Georgia. How's that playing in the Peach State? We're going to check in on the state of the race. And Time's Person of the Year. Well, there you go. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Should this come as really any surprise? Excuse me why I run to the toilet Clearly, uh, staying in your basement all year is the way to win the cover. We're going to give our full take a bit later. But first, the one last legal gasp at the Supreme Court. Will the Texas lawsuit go forward or be stopped dead in its tracks? Now, to recap, Texas is suing four battleground states, saying that the changes that they made to election law, like mail-in balloting, etc., were unconstitutional. That's the specific issue as it relates to the Texas lawsuit. And look, there are more than a dozen states behind the lawsuit, along with 106 members of Congress. The states under assault have fired back, saying that it's a seditious abuse of the judicial process. And the Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton, uh, Paxton excuse me, spoke to our Carrie Sheffield this morning about all of this on Just the News AM. Have a look. Things are very fractured right now. So talk a bit about what's happening and, and how you see, you know, responding to critics who say what you're doing is really tearing the country apart. So it's interesting they would say that. The founders were really, really smart and wise. They set up a process where you could go to court instead of go to war. And that's what this is. Otherwise, they were worried that states would go fight each other. So they created this process that they could go sue each other instead in court and address their issues civilly and with thought instead of with guns. So these people that say it's seditious, it's actually quite what the founders intended, which is exactly why I want the way, that's exactly why we did it this way and why I want these questions answered. Otherwise, states have no other alternative but to fight each other in some other way. And this is, I think, the most civil an appropriate way for states to address concerns that they have and issues of law that they have. So to be clear, you're not arguing that Texas should secede the union <laughs> if the Supreme Court goes the other way? That's exactly what I'm not arguing that. Okay. I, I, <laughs> and what does a win look like for you in this case? I think a win looks like addressing the, the, the harm that was done, which is that the, the state laws were not, were not followed. And, and the court needs to figure out what do we do when state law, when the Constitution is not followed, What's our remedy? And I'm hopeful that they'll give us a remedy that, that makes sense and that allows these states to have legitimate votes cast in some way. Folks, here's the bottom line. Whatever the Supreme Court decides, it's all going to come to a boiling head tomorrow on Saturday in D.C. as the March for Trump folks roll into town. Tens of thousands will be there, that may be a minimum, to protest the results of this election. Joining me now, uh, Kylie Jane Kramer, founder of Stop the Steal, the executive director of the Women for America First. Uh, her group cruising around the country. She's in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania today. Uh, Kylie, great to see you out there. Thanks so much for having me, David. And yes, we are in the middle of our rally right now in Harrisburg. And as you're sure you can see behind me, there are so many people here. People are really fired up. We have State Senator 
Doug Mastriani, we have David Harris Jr., Mike Lindell, Pastor Locke, Pastor Gibson, um, Amy Kramer, our chairman. So we are really excited and really fired up. And as you can hear the crowd yelling behind me, they're fired up as well. Kylie, tell me a little bit about, you've been on this bus tour since when? About, oh, guys, it must feel like years now. Tell me about the bus tour, where it's where it's headed uh, or where it has been and where it's going ultimately, even maybe past D.C. Yes, so we are really excited. We started this November 29th in South Florida. We've been zigzagging our way up to make it all the way up to Minnesota. And then now we made it all the way over um, here to Pennsylvania. We're heading into D.C. for our massive rally that's at Freedom Plaza at 12 noon tomorrow, December 12th. And then after that, I just announced a little bit earlier that we're going to keep these buses going. Listen, the momentum is so big out there and we are so excited. We are standing strong for the president. We want election integrity. We're demanding transparency. And this is more than just about the president. Obviously, he's been the rallying cry, but this is a lot bigger than just him. And so we're going to keep the bus going. We're going to be headed down um, to Georgia to help in that Senate um, election that's obviously very important to Georgians, but it's bigger than that as well because it keeps the power balance in the Senate. And we're also gonna be heading west, um, which will be announced, but you know, there are millions of people that are sitting at home feeling like their vote didn't count because their vote was disenfranchised by these illegal votes, but then also that we've only been focused on these battleground states and that these other states don't really matter. So we're gonna go and make sure that they feel like their voice is heard because there are millions of people across the country that are sitting at home that feel isolated, alone, and feel just down. And we need not only the president not to concede and to keep standing strong, but we need all of his supporters that showed up in droves, not just for on election day, but at these rallies to really keep going and keep encouraging the president you see the yeah, Kylie, let me ask you a little bit about what's going to happen uh, regarding the Supreme Court. Who knows how they're going to rule, whether or not that they even take up the case. But, but what is your sense about uh, how uh, folks there are feeling about the Supreme Court? Do they have any hope that the Supreme Court will even take the case? You know, so I think that that ultimately is the hope for people. But people just feel down in general, and they don't really know what to think about the whole process and how we've gotten to this place. Um, but there are some brilliant legal minds that are working all of it. And I think that people just need to remember that the mainstream media is going to champion every failure that we have and that they're going to um, dismiss every victory that they that we have. So because Dick Tech is censoring us like no other, you may not be hearing about the victories. So people just need to really remain steadfast and keep you know, to our mission that we want to uphold the Constitution. And this is about election integrity and about demanding transparency. Yes, it's about the president, but it is much bigger because if we don't stop this election funny business from happening right now, then we really truly lose the foundation of our country that veterans have fought and died for our right to vote. Kylie, I got to be honest with you. I'm concerned a little bit about what's going to happen in D.C. on Saturday. Uh, you, you know, we know what happened the last time. Antifa and the thugs were out in force. Uh, they targeted Trump supporters. Uh, how concerned is the group there about going to D.C.? And especially uh, the, the sense is the Supreme Court's going to rule any moment now. Uh, and so, therefore, there could be even more combustible attitudes there. You know, David, I... <laughs> I'm sure you can hear them chanting in the background. So it's a little hard. So, but I would say this, listen, we don't know what's going to happen. Everyone feels attacked by the left right now and Antifa, BLM and some other radical groups. We are stronger when we show up in mass and we are together. And so that's what people need to do. Do not live in fear. This is our country. We have the right to be standing and fighting for it. 
people need to be showing up in droves because when there's more of us than them, we are safer. We also have been working diligently. We're the only group that has the permit there. We've been working diligently with all the federal agencies. We've also hired massive amounts of private security um, to be keeping an eye on everybody and to try and keep this a peaceful protest is what exactly we're doing. We're not going to be going out and instigating. And something that people are forgetting about what happened on November 14th that the mainstream media tried to push that we, you know, that it was violent. It did not happen until after it was the cloak of darkness, after everybody had dispersed, people were eating in restaurants. And then that's when these, you know, radical thugs came and attacked people. So really just stay in large groups, go into Freedom Plaza, stay together, use a buddy system, and we will be just fine. And God's got our back. So, you know, people just need to lift us up in prayer. And just as we're lifting up the president and we will be triumphant and make sure that our voice is heard and we will not back down and we will not be intimidated. So you know, December 12th, Saturday, 12 noon, Freedom Plaza, everybody, every deplorable better be there. Okay. Hey, Kylie, one last thing. I get the sense that this, as you mentioned, the bus tour is not going to stop even after D.C. My sense is the fight will go all the way through January 6th, right? When that envelope is opened uh, by the president of the Senate, Mike Pence, even if the, even depending what the Supreme Court does, January 6th is the, is even a, a big deal as well. Absolutely. So that's what I was talking about, not to be get down and feel like we've lost because you're not understanding the whole process and the media, mainstream media is not talking about it. Just if December 14th doesn't go the way that we would like it to go does not mean the fight is over. And people need to remember that to remain focused on what our mission is, and that is to count every legal ballot and dismiss every illegal ballot that was passed and to demand transparency. Listen, if the radicals and the Democrats don't want to audit the vote, that's crazy, because if they really won, then they should be for auditing the vote because it would be proven that they won. But they know just as well as we know that there was a lot of funny business going on and they are going to block trying to audit any votes anywhere in the country because we will find out what has been going on and how it cannot be defended. So just stay, remain steadfast, follow along at trumpmarch.com. We're really trying to get the message out and follow the lead of what people need to be doing and growling and showing support because they cannot ignore us if we just keep on path and keep focused. Kyle, so trumpmarch.com, be in December, December 12th at Freedom Plaza, and then we'll be announcing where the bus is heading to after that shortly after. Kylie Jane Kramer, great to see you. Uh, stay David, safe. I just want to pop in and um, tell you, I don't know if you can hear, but they are chanting, stop the steal behind me. And, you know, this is something that we're seeing frequently across the country. So it's really powerful, as well as, you know, chanting that they love the president. So and backing the blue and these rallies are so awesome. And this is just one of our stops. But December 12th is not going to be want to be missed. Freedom Plaza, 12 noon. Kylie, really appreciate it. Stop the steal on its way to D.C., the nation's capital, the swamp. Thanks, Kylie. Appreciate it. Thanks, David. Have a great day. You too. Kylie Kramer uh, checking in with us from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. It's a state capital uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, they have been everywhere. We saw Brian Gibson the other day on the show yesterday uh, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Last stop, I shouldn't say last stop, but at least the biggest stop, Washington, D.C., as she said, tomorrow, Saturday, in the nation's capital. I believe this is where I say, and I think it's a 1970s slogan, be there or be square. I don't know. I don't know. Did I just date myself? All right, back in a moment. We're talking Georgia Senate race uh, with the uh, with Tim Head with the Faith and Freedom Coalition. We're back in a moment. 
Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, the control of the United States Senate in the hands of folks down in Georgia. That's the bottom line. January 5th, uh, Purdue, Ossoff, Leffler, Warnock, it's like a big boxing match down there, two of them, uh, and it's going to decide control of the Senate in Georgia. So we want to get the latest down there and bring in Tim Head, the executive, or excuse me, Tim Head with the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Uh, Tim, thanks for being back here on the show. Appreciate it. Well, of course, thank you always for having me, David, and for talking about these issues. Well, Tim, uh, where do we even begin? But I do want to at least start with the Leffler-Warnock race, because that seems to be uh, where a lot of the intensity has been. What, what is your sense in terms of where the race stands today? Well, uh, you know, I think uh, I think you're right. On the Purdue-Ossoff uh, side, I would say that uh, there's been more familiarity with Ossoff and probably more familiarity with Purdue. And so uh, so the, the cement is a little more uh, poured and, and, and somewhat hardened there. But on the uh, on the Warnock side and also on the Leffler side, um, there still are a lot of people that are getting to know both of them. So Leffler has been in the uh, been in the Senate now for almost exactly a year. Uh, her voting record is is uh, pretty well established. You know, her, her rhetoric uh, is now matching that voting record. And so a lot of, I, I think, uh, conservative voters and, and social conservative voters uh, have liked what they've seen. But uh, but then when a new personality like uh, like uh, Raphael Warnock kind of shows up on, onto the political stage. A lot of people are interested to hear what, uh, you know, to see and hear what he has to say. And, um, you know, at first blush, he, he, uh, he, he looks pretty good. But, um, but uh, the more you kind of hear what his uh, positions are and what his policies would be, uh, I think the more people t- kind of take pause. Well, and now, Tim, uh, the pastor, Raphael Warnock, pushing back on conservatives and Christian conservatives. uh, Just the news headline uh, I want to show you, and it says this, uh, Warnock vows to push back against those who use religion as a cover for bigotry. So he's trying to, (laughs) I tell you what, uh, this this is not the, the social conservative message that he's preaching, Tim. Well, uh, so he's he's uh, he's kind of uh, at least on, on strike two here. So uh, so just um, uh, I don't know uh, within the last 48 hours, he's tweeted that he's uh, he's self-proclaiming himself as a, as a, a pro-life pastor. Uh, so he, he is uh, telling the world readily, uh, um, uh, proudly, that he is a pro-life pastor, and then uh, anybody who uh, criticizes him, he calls a bigot. Uh, so that's that's not bigotry, um, uh, Pastor Warnock. That's that's simply disagreement on not only a public policy, but on your interpretation of Scripture. And I think that you're going to lose that battle more times than you're going to win it. Yeah, I mean, he's not a pro-life pastor. He's been very clear that he's a pro-choice pastor. I'm not quite sure what he's referring to. Or, you know, obviously conservative Christians call him a pro-abortion pastor. So uh, I want you to hear from Alveda King. We had her on earlier in the week. Uh, I asked her specifically, well, I'll let you hear what I asked her, but it's about his theology. Have a listen. 
What do you make of the theology coming out of that church now and what he's preaching? He is preaching a theology of bail. Kill mm. babies, it's okay. Tear up families, it's okay. Play the race card, don't come together as brothers and sisters. It's not okay. We're going to keep praying. Well, you know Alveda King. She doesn't hold back. Uh, what are your thoughts about how that's going to be a contour in that race down there in Georgia, Tim? Well, like I said, uh, she's uh, 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 the more people hear what he has to say, uh, not just in uh, in kind of his uh, his kumbaya messages, but the more they hear uh, his more uh, divisive, more um, uh, flamboyant messages, uh, the more uh, uh, conservative Christian voters in Georgia uh, are sort of getting the memo that uh, that that just uh, just because somebody. Uh, kind of trades pleasantries and and, uh, and talks talks nice um, in uh, in, a, in a couple of um, of prepared remarks doesn't doesn't mean that that's actually how they're going to perform when it's time uh, when kind of the chips are down. And we believe that uh, right now is actually the time when when uh, you know when when the, the the spotlight is kind of shown on people. We believe that that's when people start to show their true colors and and uh, you know unfortunately in the situation with uh, with Pastor Pastor Warnock. Um, he, uh, he, I think he needs to, to rethink some of those positions when it comes to, uh, to the beginning of life, because that's the, the number one deciding factor for most Christian uh, voters in Georgia. Tim, there's a lot of people that are scratching their heads about what's going on in Georgia. When, you know, people that don't pay attention to politics, they hear Georgia, they think the South, they think conservative, they think Christian, they think honey boo boo, they think the whole thing. Uh, so what's happening in Georgia exactly? Why is this type of stuff by Warnock pretty much disqualifying him? Instead, he's in a neck and neck race and could win it down there. What is happening to him down there? Well, Georgia is not dissimilar from a lot of southern states, so uh, so in, in a lot of ways we're kind of victims of our own success, right? So uh, so not not dissimilar from uh, places like Florida, from places like uh, Texas, from places like uh, North Carolina, and increasingly Tennessee. So good governance, good governance on the state level. So it'd be that uh, tax uh, tax policy or education policy or just kind of general uh, general good governance uh, has brought a lot of people from other parts of the of the country. So with, whether that's uh, kind of Midwestern states moving down to Georgia and relocating um, or, uh, or California folks um, moving uh, moving out east, uh, we believe that um, that, uh, you know, we've had an influx of migration for people from other parts of the country. But, uh, you know, like like a lot of us have noticed, uh, they tend to kind of bring their politics with them. And so um, the, the problem yeah. is uh, you, you, you move here for our, our weather and our, and our taxes, but you actually bring um, your division and your big government with you. And, uh, and you add to that uh, uh, an added uh, dimension of a lot of California money pouring into this, uh, into this state here in a short amount of time. And um, it takes a little bit of time to kind of sift things yeah. out. I got about 30 seconds or so, Tim. What do you make of uh, some of those comments by Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell basically saying, if, I mean, you can't trust the, the election, uh, what's happening down there, and that might suppress turnout. Are you concerned that turnout would get suppressed uh, from conservative Christians down there, or are you not worried about it? Well, a week or two ago, I, I would have been a little bit concerned about it. Thankfully, President Trump and his, uh, his appearance down in South Georgia just last weekend uh, uh, kind of put that, uh, that line of thinking to bed. I, I tell you what I tell a lot of people, uh, you know, right around here over Thanksgiving, I told uh, some of my family members, the only way that we know that our voice will not be heard is if we don't vote. 
And so Georgians, uh, we believe, are going to come out in droves. Uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of frustration or consternation at the moment, but uh, yeah. when voting actually starts next week on the 14th and continues all the way through January the 5th, we believe that, uh, that the, those voices are going to be back, uh, back in the fold. Tim Head with the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Always great to see you. Thanks for coming back on the show. I really appreciate it. You got it. God bless, Dave. All right. God bless you. All right. Uh, God bless you on a Friday. How about that? Uh, when we come back, the former mayor of Baltimore, Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, back with us on the show to talk Biden and the transition process. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. I feel like we should do two shows. I mean, we've got the election fraud Trump uh, show that we do, and then we've got to do the president-elect Joe Biden show, right? So let me put on a different there. Boom. All right, I'm back, and now it's time for the president-elect Biden uh, portion of the show. Uh, joining us to talk more about the president-elect, and I know Trump folks, they, they, they squirm when, when I say that, but hey, here we are, uh, is Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, the former uh, mayor of Baltimore, and uh, let's be honest, a, fr- a friend of the show. Stephanie, great to see you. It's good to be here. Happy Friday. You too. Happy Friday. Uh, hey, uh, let's talk about uh, pr- uh, President-elect Biden's uh, cabinet choices so far. What do you make of them? Uh, who, who's happy? Who might not be so happy? Give us Give us your uh, straight shot answer on that. So it's hard to make everyone happy. (laughs) Why did you do do that? You say who's happy, who's not happy. I'm like, it's it's impossible for everyone to be happy when you have these positions. Uh, They're coveted spots. And so many uh, people were a part of the the, the team that got um, President-elect Biden over the finish line. Uh, he has a lot to juggle when it when it comes to you know picking uh, individuals who will have these coveted positions. So I can say that um, yeah, I think centrists uh, are pretty happy. Uh, he's got really solid choices. People who um, actually have backgrounds in the things that they're doing and not just friends or family. Uh, and I, I know that he has probably rubbed some uh, of the progressives the wrong way with some of his choices, but I would caution them uh, to be forward thinking in the sense that you, it, it's, it's okay to, to acknowledge someone's past positions and someone's, um, you know, past policy decisions, but you have to, I think, give people a chance moving forward uh, to show you that they can, they can work with you as opposed to looking at um, everyone as an enemy or looking at these um, these appointments as a zero-sum game. Yeah, you know, I, I have to tell you, I appreciate your honesty because, you know, I, I know, I, I know, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but I think you're trying to, you're not tap dancing at all. You're, you're, you're being honest, but, but, but there is a, the centrists and the progressives, and th- there's some yin and yang there, and I think the truth of the matter is it sounds like progressives would like it to be far more progressive, and it's not, it's, it's feeling kind of center-left establishment right now. 
I mean, it is, but I think that that reflects the country. I mean, progressives mm -hmm. are are certainly active and certainly, I think, you know, will hold a place in the future of the Democratic Party for a long time. Um, but if the country and if the Democratic Party wanted a, prog a progressive um, candidate, um, you know, they wouldn't have elected Biden, and uh, Biden won overwhelmingly. So I, I, I think that yeah. as uh, enthusiastic as they are about their positions, they also need to be realistic about the fact that they need to partner with the, the you know, dance with the person that, that brought them and, and work with them, work with a uh, president-elect Biden to try to get their agenda um, moving forward. I want to read you uh, a quick quote. It was from some audio that uh, was captured the other day on a Zoom call that uh, President-elect Biden was having with civil rights leaders. Uh, th this is what he said, and I, and I want to read you this quote. Um, he's talking about defunding the police. He goes, I also don't think we should get too far ahead of ourselves on dealing with police reform and that because they've already labeled us as being defund the police, anything we put forward in terms of the organizational structure to change policing, or excuse me, policing, which I promise you will occur, promise you. And he goes on to say that they really uh, kicked our butt, if you will, uh, when it comes to uh, the, the stereotype, if you will, about the defunding police, the socialism, and, and, the, and the progressives got beat up pretty hard. And it sounds like Joe Biden is kind of pushing back right now on this whole idea of defunding the police. Your take? I think he should push back on, on that concept. Um, the, the thing that I know is that communities who are under siege, communities where grandmothers can't uh, walk to the corner store, where they have to be worried every time their kids and their grandkids go outside um, because of the dangers in their community, they want to see police officers. Uh, so they're not asking to defund the police. They're asking for better policing. Uh, and, and my hope is uh, that Republicans and Democrats alike will start to focus on their constituents and not the 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 political fight. This whole defund the police or, you know, that sort of is, are you progressive enough on policing? You know, people are hurting now. People want safe communities now. That's what we should focus on, not yeah. necessarily on which which way, you know, which how you fit on this litmus test of defunding the police. There's a, before we let you go, there's a lot of talk about uh, pardons that Trump may do before he leaves uh, regarding uh, family members. I asked Laura Trump, who was on the show yesterday, uh, about the family pardons. Here was her answer, and she mentioned Joe Biden. Ha have a listen. You know, when you look up uh, the definition of insanity in the dictionary, you see the liberal media's picture uh, front and center. I mean, <laughs> the, what, what they are doing, I mean, I'm talking about journalism dead in America. It, it's really been, honestly, it's been very sad to see. And I feel like they're having people out there have to choose. Are you on team A or team B? And that really, unfortunately, shouldn't be the case. Um, they're making a lot of... Uh, a lot of headlines about family pardons. You know, they're trying to usher him out the door and all of that. What's, I want to get your reaction to some of the family pardon talk uh, and, and what the, the feeling is inside the family, if you will. Well, I don't think we're the family that needs a pardon. It looks like that might go to the Biden family. That might go to the Biden family, clearly referring to Hunter Biden. What, what, what's your take on pardons and Trump and Biden and all that? So I, I think what uh, President Trump has done with pardons is disgraceful. Um, I think what he plans, what what we are hearing that he's planning to do is even 
even more disgraceful. But I think it's 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 a waste for me to talk about it because Republicans will um, have his back, you know, to the end of time or whatever true. he does. And um, you know, I think history will reveal the truth of his work. I don't think his pardons are doing anything. Uh, to press forward American ideals at all. And it, it, it is making us a weaker country in the eyes of the world. Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, always great to see you. And, and don't take this the wrong way. We, we love having you on the show, but that Skype shot behind you, that's just as good. Just as good. <laughs> I mean, the, the whole thing is working. It's working. I'm just letting Thank you know. You. Thank you very much. It's always good to see you. All right. Stephanie Rawlings-Blake uh, here on The Water Cooler. Hey, we're news with a smile. Look, we don't want to hate anybody. We're not here to hate. We're here to love. I feel like I'm in 1967, and I need to have some beads. Madison, do we have, like, some beads that I can wear? Like, some uh, Madison going to get me beads? We're going to expense that, by the way, here at The Water Cooler, though the budget is a little tight, if you know what I'm saying. All right. We're back in a moment with uh, more on the uh, March for Trump rally. Back in a moment. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. So are we living in the divided states of America? Look, I think it's a rhetorical question. We know we are. As a matter of fact, Rush Limbaugh uh, had this to say, and I say he had this to say. He took a call, and this is what he basically said, Limbaugh. We may be trending toward uh, secession. Uh, and, and I got to tell you, uh, he might not be too far off from the truth. I mean, I think that's the scary part. And, and what does that really mean? And we can unpack that on, in another show. Uh, I do want to bring back something a couple of weeks ago, uh, an interview we did with Jim Vandehei from Politico. He is the CEO of Axios. Uh, and this is what he said about a divided states of America. Have a listen kind of got the media and, and many others to kind of wake up to say, hey, let's look in the mirror here for a second and see where we're at uh, in terms of how we cover American politics and not just American politics, but really even beyond that. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody in general, but in the media in particular, has to have the humility to do some self-reflection. There's things that we got right. There's a lot that we got wrong. And I think the media needs to come to grips with this notion that it appears there's 50 percent of America that most publications just don't understand. And so here we are tomorrow, Saturday, March 12th, the uh, March for Trump uh, rally in Washington, D.C. And the media, the liberal media, let's be honest, they're not going to cover it. They're pretty much going to say, nothing to see here. Conservative media, on the other hand, much different story. And to talk more about that and everything going on on Saturday is uh, Amanda Head with Real America's Voice. Amanda, great to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you live and in person. I know, right? You exist. It's it's over digital space. I know. Oh, this is so good. All right, so you're here to cover uh, what is going to go down in Washington tomorrow. I'll tell you what, you might want to get out of there before 6 o'clock Eastern because it could get ugly. Uh, I'm I'm a little concerned, especially what's going on with the Supreme Court case. Yes, indeed. So as you know, last time, about a month ago, 
the, the march went off without a hitch. It was peaceful. They had speakers both at the beginning of the march and at the end of the march. Mm -hmm. Everything was pretty much smooth sailing until the sun started to go down, and that's when um, you know people lurking in the shadows came out to play. Mm -hmm. This time around, I think that you're probably going to see something similar. I have been seeing posts online from Antifa-type people who plan on targeting this event again. Mm. I, for my part, will not be involved in it because uh, I have found that my mouth is not proportionate to my body <laughs> and I, I run my mouth just a little too much to be out in that crowd without some type of protection. Uh, and fortunately, the people at our network love me and they're like, if you were my daughter, I wouldn't send you out there in that mess. But yeah. I think that it is probably going to get contentious. And, and as I've warned people in the past with these types of events, Events. Have the event during the day, which they have been doing, which mm -hmm. is wonderful. Uh, but once it's over, get back to your hotel, get back to your car, head home. Just try to stay out of the riffraff. Mm -hmm. um, I, I plan on doing the same thing, with, which is what I did last time, which is going back to my hotel, mm -hmm. ordering some delivery and staying there and watching whatever chaos ensues from the comfort of my laptop and my hotel room. Well, that is a smart move and, and good advice because I, I got to tell you, I, I am concerned about where this may go tomorrow. We saw a huge crowd a month ago yeah. uh, in D.C., but this seems, it's two days before the Electoral College yeah. uh, meets and decides, signs those envelopes. The Supreme Court, obviously going to decide any moment now about yeah. uh, the, the big case in Texas. So it feels it feels even more like a powder keg here. I don't know. What's, what, what's your sense? It does. And for those of us who are um, politicos, but also for people who just love this president and are following every little grain, every little nugget of information regarding how Donald Trump can somehow achieve a second term. We know what the implications are of the next few days. And I talked about mm. this earlier, you know, when, it, when I look back at history and consequential pivotal times in our history, the only other time that I can think of where, you know, this is over a weekend, so two or three days, the only time in our history when I can think of had this much consequence was December 25th, the night of December 25th and the morning of December 26th in 1776. That was mm. the Battle of Trenton. It was a pretty small battle, but very pivotal. It changed the tides for uh, the American Revolution. And when you consider what this means, you know, the, the, the far-reaching, the long-term implications of a second term for President Trump or a Joe Biden administration, it, I don't think it's too hyperbolic or histrionic to suggest that this is something that we could compare to to those fateful hours as Washington was crossing the Delaware with his troops because the the future of our country would look very very different under a Biden presidency as opposed to a second Trump term. Well and that's the scary part. I say the scary part look back then right I mean they took up arms yeah. <laughs> and, and I know and, and that's when I say taking up arms in this case I know that's more on the fringe but at yeah. the same time there is a a uh, mental uh, appetite uh, for a, a serious fight, and when I say civil war, I'm not suggesting a civil war right. back back in the day, but right. I am suggesting some sort of ideological civil war that seems like it, it, we're getting to a point in the country, we're at a point in the country, you're uh, team A versus team B, and this idea of like we're all Americans, where has that gone? Yeah, and you know, for our generation, obviously this isn't taking up arms and meeting at the Mason-Dixon line and hand-to-hand right. -hand combat. This is going to be something that is fought in the digital sphere, and we're hmm. already seeing the left you know, they, they have put out, they've laid out their battle plans. You know, you look at the Hunter Biden story story that was blacked out on media up until November 3rd, and now they're finally talking about it. The, the mainstream media, the left, academia, all of these areas of our American culture 
are literally telling us what we can and can't talk about. And you know, you hate to to bring it back to the whole trite conversation, this Orwellian 1984 attitude, but when you think about the things that we are allowed to talk about, the things that we are allowed to even think about and whisper in our home. Everybody's got these things in their home that, homes that are listening to us. Mm -hmm. You know, Alexa and uh, HomePods and all these types of things. And it does make you concerned for what this fifth generational uh, warfare would look like between the left and the right. And and for those of us on the right, you know, I know we like to joke about how we're the ones with all, you know, billions of, of bullets in our arsenals and millions of guns in our arsenals, but I don't think that that's really how this plays out. Mm -hmm. And you know what's interesting? The Stop the Steal, the March for Trump, all these folks, I mean, we know that at one point they were taken down about a month ago, and even now it's it's like the, the algorithms and all this stuff. I mean, it's like there's this suppression out there. There is yeah. not, not there's like there is a suppression yeah, out there so you're talking about fighting this war in the digital space but yeah. you know how do you do it when the sta the deck is stacked against you yeah. it's, it's very difficult yeah and there is that violence that will ensue i get it i'm angry i'm frustrated right. we have been seeing this percolating for a long time and it and it it kills me but the it's definitely not the answer to stay out after the march tomorrow and try to go face to face with antifa and blm let let them look we've already seen the infighting already mm -hmm. After the election, they were already infighting on the left. So just let them fight, you know, fight it out on their own. Absolutely. Amanda Head, great to see you. Thanks, David. Stay Appreciate safe. I will. Which, which you will. I will. Laptop after six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Amanda Head here uh, in studio, which is kind of cool, kind of neat, on a Friday. All right, when we come back on Friday, last sip. Look, we've got a few things to say about this time person of the year. Really? Really? Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. It's not really surprising, but we have a few extra little goodies in store. Back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, time for the last sip. Hey, who is Time's Person of the Year uh, this year? It's not me. Uh, I lobbied for it, uh, but it just didn't happen. Uh, but let me tell you who is uh, Person of the Year. <laughs> Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Wah, wah, wah. Really? A liberal magazine choosing Kamala Harris and Joe Biden as Time Magazine Person of the Year, People of the Year, whatever. And can I just say, uh, how about the healthcare workers? I don't know. Maybe they should be uh, Person of the Year. Hello, of course. How about you? How about me? How about everybody suffering through this in 2020? We all should be people, persons of the year. No, it's Joe and Kamala. And by the way, uh, let's, uh, let's play some of Joe Biden's wonderful accomplishments from this year, shall we? My name is Joe Biden. I'm Jill Biden's husband, and I am Kamala's running mate. <laughs> you all think I'm kidding, don't you? We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Four more years of Georgia, Georgia, he uh, is going to find ourselves in a position where if uh, Trump gets elected, uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be in a different world. And I, like I told Barack, if 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 I reach something where there's a 
a fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. I'll develop a disease and say I have to resign. The person of the year, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, congratulations, Joe Biden. Uh, way to go. Way to stay in the basement all year. That is the key, by the way. If you ever want to be person of the year, make sure you, A, stay in your basement, uh, B, crack and try to get as many illegal votes as possible in an election, and you could be uh, the next person of the year. We actually decided uh, that we don't care about person of the year. Uh, we care about song of the year here at the water cooler because the song of the year, you know what the song of the year is. Let's cue the music because our control room they love this song. They want to play it all the time. So let's do it, shall we? Ah, oh, there it is. Latinos for Trump. Do it. So, oh, I like that. The song of the year. Look at them. They're so into it. Look at Oh. Oh, that is beautiful. I like uh, the twirling in the seat. That was, impre- <laughs> that was impressive. Uh, the song of the year. And all I have to say is, Oiga Volt. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. It's a Friday. Happy Friday. Hey, by the way, happy Hanukkah. Uh, Sophie News, uh, Sophie Man, Sophie News. Sophie News. Is here with us. Happy Hanukkah, Sophie. Happy Hanukkah to you, David. Please, can I sit back? Were you going to tell me a story about Hanukkah? Yeah, I'm just here to talk a little bit about Hanukkah. This <laughs> Phenomenal. Hanukkah. We'll do anything on the show, especially that. <laughs> no, it's it's an important time. I mean, yes. the, the the reason yeah. I'm here to yes, talk about it is it because is. it's actually not that important a time. So Hanukkah. Uh. Bear with me. Yeah, please. You, you've now confused me. <laughs> so the, it's the holiday season. Everyone loves okay. Hanukkah. Everyone loves Christmas, really. So Hanukkah has always been sort of in direct competition with Christmas, at Fine. least in, in my parts. Yeah. Um, my parts, too, by the your way. Your parts, too. Fine. The, the right. Jewish part. It's a separate segment. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but um, so basically, yeah. Hanukkah is ultimately a lesser one of the Jewish holidays. And mm-hmm. last year, I read this book by Barry Weiss, former New York Times and Wall Street Journal columnist, mm-hmm. um, called how to fight anti-Semitism. Mm. And in the book, I thought she made a really apt comparison uh, about modern anti-Semitism to Hanukkah. Mm. And it sort of, to me, elevated what is not ultimately one of the more important um, Jewish holidays. Religious into, significance-wise. Religious, yeah. Of course, not, not gift-wise, but you're right, religious <laughs> significance-wise. Um, well, you sound bitter about that, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Uh, but so the argument she makes is that Hanukkah, the story of Hanukkah, is akin to the modern anti-Semitism of the left, which she says has a lot to do, for our viewers who are not ultimately familiar with the story of Hanukkah, there was this king, Antiochus, in ancient Israel, and he basically said to the Jews, you can still be Jewish, we're not going to kick you out, we're not going to kill you, we're not going to run you out of town the way that so many bad guys in Jewish stories typically behave, but we're going to limit the way that you can be Jewish, so you can't practice your religion you can't do your religious rites you can't go to temple you can't right. you can't worship only one god you can't keep kosher and what barry weiss argues is that this is akin 
to the modern day anti-Semitism of the left that say it's fine being Jewish, but you can't support Israel. You can't really be religious. Mm. You can't totally believe in all the things that the Bible says. Obviously, you can still go to synagogue and things like that. But she really equates it to not being able to be a Zionist while you are also, which is to say not being able to support the state of Israel and its right to exist while still being Jewish. And I just think that that's a good and important story as we as we think about Hanukkah for the next eight days. That is fascinating, yeah. actually. Uh, so Barry, Barry White? Barry Weiss. Oh, I'm Weiss. sorry, Weiss, not yes. the singer Barry White. No, no, no. So. Um, it's a great book. I really yes. would recommend it. Oh, absolutely. It's called How to Fight Anti-Semitism. I'm going to get that. quick plug. Did you get socks this, uh, this I'm sure I'll be getting some socks. Yeah. It's yeah. only Yeltsin's at the build-up to the later evening. Can't right? always get a puppy. No, not a, not a puppy. <laughs> and day one or day two, forget it. And then mm -hmm. finally day seven, I'm like, hey, I got something. Yeah. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Happy Hanukkah.